Welcome to Jalo the Month Club. This is your host, Diana. On this episode, we take a trippy voyage to the 1970s as we discuss Sergio Martino's occult thriller, All the Colors of the Dark. This film includes fractured psychology, childhood trauma, and satanic sex orgies. All the Colors of the Dark is the first F Jalo or female-fronted Jalo film that we are discussing on the podcast. My guest today is a licensed master social worker and therapist. She specializes in mental health therapy within psychiatric hospitals and outpatient treatment centers. The bulk of her assignments are with children and adolescents. Welcome, Lauren Fioco. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I wanted to start off by having you just introduce yourself. Cool. I started off wanting to do art and film stuff, decided that I wasn't going to go anywhere with that, so I melded the two and wanted to do like art therapy. I just kind of like tripped and fell into doing therapy. Really liked working with, I don't know, folks experiencing a lot of trauma, people like forgotten about by society and whatnot. So I just kind of fell into it with uh, my first assignment being at Springfield Hospital Center in Sykesville, mainly focused on like legal uh, social work. So people will get popped for like some small thing. And then they also have like an accompanying mental illness. So um, worked there for a while, did some outpatient stuff, did some foster care stuff, and uh, got my bachelor's in the process and now my master of social work in May. Awesome. So it's been a long ass road. Yeah. <laughs> and we're finally here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really love mental health and I also coincidentally love horror. The two lend themselves to one another. So. Yeah. And you're Italian. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> so an important awesome. part. Yeah. <laughs> a new segment that we're going to start on this episode, which Mm -hmm. is what have we been watching? So Mm -hmm. have you been watching anything interesting lately or anything that you really liked? With Halloween around, uh, my boyfriend and his sister, who I live with, uh, Josiah and Amy, they were not allowed to celebrate Halloween as kids. They grew up in like a really strict Christian home. So I never went trick-or-treating, never carved a pumpkin. So I was like, no, it's not going to work. We're going to watch Scream, we're going to watch The Shining. Nightmare on Elm Street, like, we're gonna go through all of, like, the classics and watch them, so I haven't quite stepped their toe into Jalo yet, because I'm like, let me just, like, edge them in with yeah, some, like, Yeah, you need Stephen to be, King like, first. a little bit more seasoned in horror before mm-hmm. you, like, throw some, like, Italian and subtitles at them. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. And, of course, like, particularly, I had the thought, maybe we could watch this one together. Like, maybe we could watch this film, and then I started watching it, and I was like, no, we can't. <laughs> we it's absolutely very cannot. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, not too much, but... So, with your background, that's actually a really good segue for a movie that I've seen twice. Mm-hmm. Parasite. Have you heard Ooh, of that? I have, yeah. I'm yeah, really so it's really it. good, and I don't know if you know the synopsis of it, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, it's this family that kind of takes over jobs at this wealthy family's home, and mm-hmm. one of the jobs is an art therapy teacher. Uh-huh. The girl just wings it. Yeah. And the family, the wife is very... Um, She's kind of ditzy and yeah. kind of just goes with it, Aloof. so she doesn't even, <laughs> like, realize it. Yeah. I also watched Jojo Rabbit, Ooh. which is the Taika Waititi mm-hmm. satire, yeah. and that is really good yeah. and very heartwarming. So really? If you really? Yeah, <laughs> it has a really good underlying tale to it about mm-hmm. blind nationalism oh, and yeah. kind of coming into your own person and like doing what you feel is right yeah it's sure. really good I've seen it twice awesome. <laughs> it's really good yeah anything else that you've been watching no you know I'm dying to see 
both of those, honestly. We were just talking about Parasite the other night, and I was like, God damn it, I wish I had two seconds to watch a movie. Yeah, or <laughs> two hours. Honestly. It's like two and a half hours. Honestly, yeah. It's, it's really tough. I'm, like, going through and watching a lot of classic movies. I'm pretty much just criterion collectioning my life. Which are all, like, three-hour films. Literally, like, Lawrence of Arabia. Where am I going to find five hours? <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I have to see it, but when? I'm like, <laughs> ugh. I don't want to sit in a desert for five hours of my life. That's a lot of time. <laughs> we'll watch it during the winter, because maybe it'll be a little bit easier on yeah. your psyche. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in January when I'm, like, ready to throw yeah, myself yeah. off a cliff. Exactly. With the brutal Maryland winters. Mm. For sure. Awesome. Well, I am so happy to have you here, and I know that you have a lot to say about this film. I'm ready. So we'll just get into it. I really like this film, although it was really light on plot. Yeah. I feel like it's Rosemary's Baby on Acid. Mm -hmm. It's very trippy and very 70s. Oh, yeah. Italian filmmakers in the 70s were known to borrow from successful American films and just kind of remake them. Yeah, totally. Which is fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least once. You know, one Rosemary's Baby remake, I guess, is okay. Mm -hmm. The satanic element is introduced very early in the film, which I liked because it's... You kind of just knew what you were getting into, and I really like that. I found myself thinking about Hereditary, because when I was watching Hereditary and it felt like a lot of grief and then suddenly satanic worship, and I was like, wait, wait, hold on, wait, we we jumped into that really quickly. Like, how did you just, like, trip and fall into Satan? And in this movie as well, it was like, (laughs) tried medicine, didn't work. Tried therapy, didn't work. My only next reasonable step is worshiping the devil. Yes. I was just kind of like, hold on. Or maybe like my second option. I don't know. It depends how I'm feeling. Yeah, and this one just opens with that that dream or that vision, which is very cool. I mean, I Mm -hmm. I like that shot because it's kind of like you're in like this dark abyss and you have um, pregnant lady on the bed Mm -hmm. and the man with a blonde wig on kind of dressed like a baby doll kind yeah. of I don't really know what that outfit was but that was just a very crazy visual to be yeah. the opening of the film I had some thoughts and I'll probably save them for when we like dive into themes but I was yeah. like it ego and super ego like yeah. all three of them like conjoined in one the synopsis of this film it's very simple it's just a woman recovering from a car accident loses her baby in the accident and then she finds herself pursued by a coven of devil worshipers mm-hmm. um, like you said she kind of tried therapy, tried medication, and then she meets this neighbor who says that she is a survivor of some kind of trauma, and this coven or this cult helped her out. The neighbor takes Jane, who is the lead of this film, to meet the coven, and very quickly she gets into it, and there's animal (laughs) sacrifice and satanic sex orgies, and it gets just really crazy. I did want to talk about the lead actress of this film, though. She is so gorgeous. Like, it was distracting. Uh, Truly. It was very distracting. I'm so glad you said that. Um, I'm not just big gay, because the whole time I was like, she is so stunning. Yes. And her acting is not terrible either. No, so it's Edwidge Fennick. Thank you for saying and that. And she is, it. <laughs> which is... We'll just call her Jane. That's her character. Yeah. <laughs> but she is gorgeous, and she is somewhat of a Jallo queen. Mm-hmm. Like, she's in a bunch of different films mm-hmm. and a bunch of different films by this director. She projects a really fragile beauty and doesn't really overact. Considering the circumstances, yeah. I'd say not. But yeah. it was really... Her performance was really believable, and mm-hmm. she had just right there with her yeah honestly I'm glad that in this film she got to kind of like flex her acting muscles a little because I felt like 
in previous appearances, she'd just kind of been, like, there and pretty, which serves its purpose. Yeah. Like, it's not unuseful, but she's, like, acting her ass off. It was really nice to see. <laughs> yeah, well, they always, in all the films she's in, they always make her go nude. Naturally. Yeah. Like, I could put that on my what I've been watching recently. I watched a documentary called All the Colors of Jalo, which is oh. obviously a documentary about the genre. Mm-hmm. And she was on there and she was just talking about how in her contract usually it was like, you have to have a nude scene, you have to have a shower scene. Sheesh. And she just knew going into it, but she mm-hmm. took it seriously, which I really, so nice. really liked about her. I was going to uh, ask about um, All the Colors of Jalo because apparently there was like, uh, Severin Films did like a double packaged, like mm-hmm. this film and the documentary. Yeah. Which I was like, that is a great Oh it is gosh. a really good pairing. I was thinking, like, just as I was driving, like, which one would I recommend someone watch first? Like, should I send them into All the Colors of the Dark with no context and, like, let them be shocked? Or let them learn about the genre and then... I would say if, if it was a first watch of the genre, watch the documentary so yeah, you kind oh, of yeah. know. Although mm-hmm. it does spoil some of the films. That's true. There just were like, a couple that I had not seen that when they came up, I fast-forwarded through mm-hmm. them so I didn't get spoiled. Mm-hmm. And apparently the DVD came with a bunch of trailers or, like, trailer takes that they used but, like, ended up not marketing to the public. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of extra oh, scenes awesome. and cool stuff. So I'm like... Adding things to my Amazon wish list. (laughs) You probably find that kind of stuff on YouTube, which would be really cool. Mm -hmm. Along with Jane, we have Richard, which is her boyfriend. His way of treating her visions is with medication because he's a salesman at a pharmaceutical company. So, like, Mm -hmm. why not just drug her up? Yeah. I wrote next to his name in my notes, Dickbag. Yeah. I mean, his name is Richard, so he he is Dick, Mm -hmm. so why not? And then we have Barbara, who is Jane's sister, and she mm-hmm. wants Jane to see a psychiatrist, who is also Barbara, the sister's employer. Mm. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, I, so she works She works in a therapist's office, and she's egging her on to see the therapist, which she finally does. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Mary, who is the neighbor, and she introduces the remedy of uh, liberation. With, quote, quote. Yeah, liberation, <laughs> whether that's sexual or a feminist liberation Mm -hmm. by joining the satanic coven yeah another person i noted was jp mcbrien which is a terrible name (laughs) it's like it's the cult leader's name i'm like that's just a total like nerdy it guy name that's Mm -hmm. not his name has to be something like way more italian than that but that's the character's name is jp (laughs) mcbrien In case you were interested. Whitey McWhiterson. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like, oh gosh, the actor, he passed away, I think, within the last year or two, and he was in Die Hard. Oh my god, Doesn't it look like him? Oh shit, what the hell's his name? You're not talking about, um, he's in Dogma too. Alan Rickman? Yes, Alan Rickman. He looks like, but he looks like Alan Rickman with that very specific facial hair. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I, I was like. The years don't match up on this for him to be in this film, but he looks like him. Well, from afar, I found myself going like, is he cute? No. And then he got close up and I was like, oh no, 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 is no. Is he cute or did I just drink a lot of blood? Literally. <laughs> like, am I just like emptying on These this? These are like James' exact animal thoughts. blood, which, oh, oh yes, we will talk about spoilers mm. for the listeners. Let them know we'll talk about spoilers. There is one case of animal violence Mm -hmm. which is too many for me but likewise (laughs) yeah cutest dog i think it was a shiba maybe yeah i wasn't you know i saw them pick up the dog and i was like oh 
Oh, no. no this is going to be I one of those. <laughs> I was at the bookstore last night, and there was a little sign that said, I don't care who dies in the movie as long as the dog lives. Oh. Yes, Word that's up. me. <laughs> yeah. That's me. Like, I need that. That's basically the rundown of the characters. Mm-hmm. There is a lawyer who makes an appearance. Kinda, he, he's yeah. on the phone, and then he's towards the end. This movie is just really hard to talk about because it's a little bit all over the place where you don't know what's a dream, what's reality, Mm -hmm. but it's just basically Jane is just having these visions of her mom being murdered Mm -hmm. when she was a kid, when Jane was a kid. She's suffering from that, and then Mm -hmm. she has a flash of a car accident, which is where she loses her baby, Mm -hmm. and we find out that it was her boyfriend, Dick Richard, (laughs) who was driving the car. Mm -hmm the most amazing confrontational scene of all time. I was, like, screaming for Barbara, like, yes, confront that asshole. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was not very subtle at all. No. When it came She's like, to- hey, it's your fault. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. saying. Placing the blame yeah. on him. Yeah. There is an Italian cut of this where there's a few more scenes that were taken out. Like, there's mm-hmm. a scene which kind of points to Barbara and Richard having an affair, So I, in the version I watched, and I just bought some, like, $2 rental, but it was, like, Barbara's getting dressed, and Richard kind of looks at her some type of way, and she's, he's, like, you know, pretty girls shouldn't, some sexist bullshit, and she's, like, get a grip, asshole. Like, (laughs) (laughs) nice try. Yeah, she says something, like, keep your hands in your pants. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, yeah, that was the only, like, suggestion I got, but, um... And then at the end... Oh, man, I'm, like, really interested in knowing which version you watched then. I So I literally, this is so embarrassing, I went on YouTube, and it was, like, it's two bucks here versus, like, buying the actual movie for 20 So I'm going to go with $2. I short film, too. Yeah. And I couldn't tell, like, what, like, originating source was because the subtitles and the, uh, the subtitles were English, the voices were Italian, but the voices did not match the actors. Hmm. So I was like, is this like a re-dub of a re-dub? You know what I mean? It could be. So, yeah. It was roughly like an hour and 35 minutes, though. Yeah, so we probably watched the same one. Yeah, Yeah, but the Italian version alludes a little bit more to an affair. Mm -hmm. And the end is another, like, dream within a dream. (laughs) Jane dies at the end of that one. Hmm. The coven gets her and kills her. Hmm. Which did not happen in the version that we watched. Yeah, I have some yeah. feelings about that. Yeah. I don't know. The police officers that are there mm-hmm. are the coven members. Oh. So it was all like a ruse. And then they take her. Interesting. And then they kill her. Hmm. And then that's the end. That's baffling. Yeah, I'm, I'm again reminded of Hereditary when like you're just like, what is actually happening here? I feel like that coven, coven member is like insidiously... Kind, mm-hmm. kind of trying Planning to, themselves. like... Yeah, it's it's a motif that I feel like isn't always appropriately used, but I really liked the way it was in this film. Like, yeah, so there's it was more convincing. of that in the original cut. Oh. Um, but I think that the version that we saw, I like that it, that didn't happen because I'm just... Mm. Uh, towards the end, I was singing how many dreams within the dreams and flashbacks, and although I love the, the little nod to her having premonitions yeah i thought that was really interesting and it didn't go too far in the supernatural Mm -hmm. i was Um, worried it was gonna dive into like oh she's actually a medium and all this like bullshit when they're walking in the park and talking about how she's just like i just have this like feeling yeah and she's like you should 
I don't know, tap into that in some regard and then mirror that with the psychiatrist saying, like, this is just purely a trauma response. It really does, like, immerse you into, like, damn, I don't even know what's real at this point. I'm the viewer. I feel as disorganized as she feels. Yeah. So. I was really tired when I watched it, mm. and I was feeling that, like, whoa. But it kept my attention because yeah. I was, like, sleepy, and I was, like, kind of feeling a little dream state, yeah. and then that happens. I did love, like, the bizarre visual touches and the subversive subtext. Mm -hmm. This was actually released in 1972, so it was on the onset of the feminist movement Mm -hmm. and when satanic panic was on on the rise. Mm -hmm. So that's how they got a little bit of a leg up on just, like, a typical Jalos. They really, Mm -hmm. like, went for what was topical at the time. For sure. This one is available on Shutter and Amazon Prime and for $2 on YouTube, yeah. which I did not know. <laughs> but it is on Shutter, which I would highly recommend getting Shutter. It's a curated horror channel, but it's mm-hmm. all horror. It's legit. It's really cool. And they actually have a section specifically for Jollo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have Amazon Prime, there's like a seven-day free trial or something, so you yeah. can like dip your toe in and see if you like it. Shudder does a free 30-day mm. trial. Yeah. Some like way you can get, yeah. get it for free <laughs> yeah. and see if you like it, and um, you can watch this one. Mm. In the U.S., it was released under the title They're Coming to Get You, which is so corny. Ser- I, when I watched the trailer, I was like, really? Hmm. They're coming to get you? Yeah, like, how derivative. <laughs> yeah, but all the colors <laughs> of the dark... Very Italian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So many words. So flowery. And... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I Wasn't love there that. another name? For this one? Yeah. They did Day of the Maniac. Oh, okay. And then there's the Italian, which I didn't even write down because I was not even going to, <laughs> going to try doing that. Nah. I'm not even close. I could have did it and made you try. I could have wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I have, a, like, a handful of Italian phrases I know. I know enough to, like, get around in Rome or some shit where people also speak English. Right. But... <laughs> My pronunciation is so sinful, my grandfather would probably, like, laugh at me, so. It's probably for the best that I don't, like, dive into that one, but. If you watch more Jalo, then maybe you'll just be a little bit more fluent in the language. I mean, I just really can't even go over this plot without just spoiling a lot of what happens, which I try to keep it at a minimal, but we'll go right to the ending. So, yes, a lot of dream sequences, a lot of past trauma, Oh, she's being followed by the stalker. That's right. I forgot to mention him. I didn't put him in the cast because I don't think he has any lines, so I didn't really note who that actor was, but the blue-eyed stalker just following her around. Did you confuse him with the boyfriend at times? I did not because the boyfriend was kind of MIA. That's true. (laughs) He wasn't around. Like, the stalker was around more than the boyfriend. Mm. Yeah, that says something. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that says something. Another thing I noticed about the stalker was that he was around from the beginning, like, before she even was introduced to the coven, so that kind of spoils really the motive and the ending Mm -hmm. of, like, why he was there, Right. but there was really no active killer throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. It could have just all been in her head, and there was really no twist or revelation besides the one-person motive, Right. which I think was kind of an afterthought yeah it seemed kind of abrupt when it happened yeah i kind of the whole movie i found myself thinking that like it was an hour and a half of like amazing concepts with a lack of like understanding of how to execute them like i think that the director probably had all these like really unique ideas and i i definitely feel like he's an afterthought to argento at times yeah 
and I think that he tends to go like more of a, I don't want to say creative route because that's kind of dismissive. The psychedelic stuff is definitely a touch into something a little new and something outside of like typical Jallo films. Yeah, I yeah I, I definitely feel that that he kind of had this main character. She had her trauma. He mm-hmm. knew that he wanted like flashbacks and visions, and then he was like, "Let's just film like it and how see what are happens. we <laughs> how are we can um you know get her into this mess? How does she get mm. in this mess? Yeah, ah, greed, yeah, money. <laughs> yeah, that's never been done before. Yeah, right." <laughs> So, the sister, spoiler alert, Barbara gets Jane into this mess. She's trying to get, she knows that Jane is a bit weak, Mm -hmm. she's very sensitive, and she's kind of looking for a way to escape from her issues. Mm -hmm. So, the sister sicks this coven on her, Mm -hmm. which she knows will eventually lead to her death. Right. And the sister does this because... This is a bit outlandish. (laughs) The mom that you see in the very beginning of the Mm -hmm. film is Barbara and Jane's mother, Mm -hmm. who was killed by this man from New Zealand. Weird. Shout out to Taika Waititi. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I don't even know why they said, like, where the guy lived. Doesn't matter. But he gave the two of them, why? 600,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. Also, Money. the movie's set in London. It's set in London. Why? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Pounds. <laughs> Martino. He's, yeah. New Zealand. <laughs> I need to know, like, the exchange rate between New Zealand and London. I don't yeah. know. And why he gave these girls the money. Yeah, for I what don't, purpose? I don't, I'm not clear on that still. So but. Barbara was greedy and wanted to off her sister so she could have all of the money. I just found myself <laughs> the whole movie going, like, this is a really roundabout way to make your point. Yeah. And I, I found myself, like, I wish I'd had time to look up, like, what Italian politics in 1973 looked like. Because I'm like, what fucking beef did they have with New Zealand? That's a really <laughs> specific ethnicity drop. I did not even what think is going on. look that up, but I was, I had, like, underlining New Zealand? Like, yeah, why? Work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it seems to be a weird amalgamation of culture in this movie. Like, it's an Italian and Spanish, like, co-development. It's set yeah. in London with... Mostly Italian. Well, uh, there's one of them's French, I think. Varied ethnicities. And then there's that random, like, New Zealand name drops. So the lawyer, who is mentioned twice throughout the film, and we mm-hmm. mentioned him a few moments ago, calls Jane and wants to speak to Jane. And it's about the money. I don't know why he just right. didn't tell her it was about the money. But she kind of... <laughs> oh, yeah. That weird, ominous scene. This is hey, the address, this is right? the lawyer. This is my address. Come. And then while well, she gets stalked and then doesn't make it so then you kind of or you're supposed to forget about it but i didn't forget about it i was like what the hell when is this going to be relevant yeah (laughs) yeah is it who knows who even noticed it first richard well i don't know did it actually happen like so jane gets attacked by the blue-eyed guy Mm -hmm. she's admitted to the hospital right and then she is She's in the hospital, and then Richard sees the letter, which is from... Mm -hmm. Again, why is the lawyer sending a letter when he could have just told her on the phone? Sends her a letter. (laughs) Richard finds the letter. Yeah. Because that's what you do is you sneak through people's mail. Yeah. And then confronts, goes to Barbara's house, confronts her. That's right. He says, you know, your tattoo. I saw your tattoo because he saw the blue eye guy had the tattoo. I saw your tattoo when you were changing in front of me earlier and showing me. And I totally wasn't looking. Yeah, no, no, no. I saw the tattoo. (laughs) She tries to convince him to join the coven with her. Yeah. 
while very obviously grabbing the gun that's behind her. Okay. And then it's the classic gun goes off and, oh, who got shot? Right. Oh, Richard turned it on her and killed her. And then he said, and you did it. You tried to kill Jane mm-hmm. because of this and throws the he letter just, like, at her. He barfed out some exposition he there. Throws, <laughs> all of a sudden he's supposed to be like a good guy. And I'm like, mm. well, well, <laughs> like, I guess. Yeah, so Richard is the one to figure it out. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of exposition between Richard, Jane, and the lawyer where the lawyer tells her what happened. Yeah. <laughs> is 600,000 pounds. I just, like, I was curious, too, the whole subplot of the plot to steal her money or, like, I found myself going, like, this would have had to go really well to pull this off because everyone was fucking it up at, like, every turn. Yeah. Like you said, communicating through the mail. Like, if you're really trying to... I mean, I'm just going to write it off and say, like, for the purpose of pulp horror, we're going to forget this huge plot point. But, yeah, I just found myself going, like, this is a really convoluted... And it's not even, like, the lawyer's secretary called. It was, like, it was him. He called, and he could have said, hey, I sent you a the letter with this information, but here's the rundown. Yeah. Would you like me to come to you? Would you mm-hmm. like to meet in a public place? Because mm-hmm. there's a guy stalking you and I, you yeah. can't do anything. Also, the information in this unmarked letter I sent is completely pertinent to, like, whether or not you survive the next couple of days. Yes. Like, I, I always love when films do that, when they establish, like, in modern horror, I really like it with the, um, my cell phone doesn't have service. In 2019. Mm -hmm. In 2020, we have cell phones that don't have service. Like, you establish that he can call with a rotary phone. Yeah. And then later he's like, oh, shit, I didn't think to do that. I just sent a letter. I found myself like... Terrible lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) I hope he's pro bono. (laughs) Yeah, so Jane is then in the hospital, Mm -hmm. and she finds out the information, and she's... She knows that Richard killed her sister. Like, she senses it. She senses it with her premonition Mm -hmm. vibes that she has. Well, she feels better and she can go home. So her and Richard go back to their apartment. She has another vision where it's Richard goes up the stairs and then he has a fight with Mm -hmm. J.P. McBrien, the cult leader. Yeah. the (laughs) just whitest white guy name. And then it ends with... How does that even end? Because it, it starts over again. Right. It, like... Oh, my God. It's so hard to piece together, like, linearly what happens in this yeah. film. Yeah. Somehow that... I can't even remember it. So, somehow that ends. Yeah. And then she comes to... The same scene happens. They show up at the apartment. Mm-hmm. He runs up the stairs. She's at the bottom of the ele- elevator. Then mm-hmm. she's like, oh, no, wait. J.P. McBrien is going to come out and you're going to scuffle. Right. And get in a fight on the roof. Yeah. J.P. McBrien's there because mm-hmm. he's exacting revenge right. for Barbara's death. Mm-hmm. I don't... <laughs> it's really difficult. Like, I found myself loving and simultaneously hating, like, the dream within a dream stuff. And how did he know? <laughs> How did he know that it was... I, uh, this whole film, I was like, just don't think about it. Just let the film yeah. finish, and then you can have your feelings about it. And I watched it in its entirety twice and was still like, what the hap is fucking There's like, so <laughs> many scenes. Like, I can remember the scenes, but then the transition from one to the other, I'm like, how right. did that get to that? Right. I guess we just kind of have to go with it. The director even said that 
you should view the film on a purely metaphorical level. I would hope so. Just using the images to create a heightened sense of unreality. Right. So you're just basically going with it, which is what we did. Feels a little cop-outy. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. I feel like he really wanted to do something creative and wasn't really focused on making a palatable film. He was like, this is the film I want to make. I've got these ideas, and I I think to some degree he must have recognized that, like, if you're trying to view it sequentially, it just doesn't compute. No. Which is why I think we're having such a hard time being like, when did that happen? Like, in what... I remember the scenes vividly, but I don't remember the order or how one strung into the other. Which is how she probably feels. Right. How Jane probably feels. Right. While the cult leader and Richard are fighting, and in typical Jalo fashion... The villain of the film is pushed off the roof. Yeah. And dies. (laughs) Richard and Jane embrace, and then it ends on a freeze frame of Richard. Why? It's not his movie. (laughs) It's not his movie. The film. Also, she's beautiful. Put the camera on her more. Seriously. You would think that most uh, Jalo films are like, here's the sexy lady. Here she is. Focus on her. And particularly, there always seems to be some sort of, like, sexuality subplot or, like, heavy focus. So I was really confused when they just, like, froze on his dumbass face. And there weren't many kills in this one. I think there no. were, like, four. Plus the dog. <sighs> <laughs> Poor guy. I know. Poor little thing. I believe there was only four. There was the mother in the beginning, the pregnant mm-hmm. mother, Mary the neighbor, mm-hmm. And then the next three are all by Richard. Right. So it's like the blue-eyed guy gets mm-hmm. killed with a pitchfork. Barbara gets shot in the stomach area. And mm-hmm. then the call leader gets pushed off mm-hmm. the roof. I guess, like, we're, I mean, we're diving into tricky territory with personhood. But I guess you could count the onboard child, too. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm going to get and emails about... And we're counting the dogs, <laughs> so why not? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I was, like, just thinking I'm going to get emails from people, like, pro-life folks, like... Actually, I didn't make the film. <laughs> like, listen, <laughs> listen, Sergio. Yeah. <laughs> he's still kicking. He's around somewhere. Yeah, go send him a, a postmark. Send him a letter. letter. Yeah. Not. Don't call him though. For the love of God, no. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he'll forget that he has a phone. Uh, and the violence isn't very gratuitous in this. No, the sexuality is brief. the gratuitous part. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's more elaborating on her psyche. Yeah, for sure. And her troubled mind. Mm. It's less about the typical like slasher violence and more right. about the psychological, which was a a good change. I watched my fair share of slasher movies, so it was refreshing. Um, although there was a part of me that's just kind of like, when is someone gonna get butchered? Just because I'm like a tormented person who likes watching slasher films. Yeah, and I keep track of the kills. So mm-hmm. when I was at four, which is now at six, mm-hmm. but at four, I'm like, mm, that's not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> My first one was like 15 kills. Sheesh. The first episode. So we did Tenebrae, mm-hmm. Deep Red, Short Night of Glass Dolls. There, oh, weren't that yeah. many, there weren't that many deaths in that one or kill mm-hmm. scenes in that one either, but that was really good. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the themes of this film. So I wrote a lot about public beliefs and attitudes toward mental health in Italy. I actually like did some research. I was looking at this like peer-reviewed study that was conducted in like 2010. Just talked about like some of the more common beliefs about mental health in Italy 
and how it kind of varies based on like geography. Most people suffering from depression are seen to like, you just kind of don't talk about it, but it's not um, so stigmatized that people don't. I'm a little bit biased because while my family's Italian, um, they're all doctors. So we're like, yeah, take your Open. pills, you idiot. Yeah, yeah like yeah. don't don't neglect your health. Psychiatric drugs are kind of seen as being useful and addictive simultaneously. So there's kind of like this polarizing view of mental health treatment. Italy also has a weird like history with the way that they treated the mentally ill kind of mirrors the way we did in the United States. So like if you know anything about like deinstitutionalization mm-hmm. when we had all these giant like psychiatric hospitals, we treated the mentally ill horrendously. And then there was this huge wave response of like, we're just going to close them all and let all these mentally like suffering people out onto yeah, the street. Go without help. So now we have in 2019, something like 75% of homeless folks experience some kind of mental distress, right. whether it's like mild depression or schizophrenia. Whereas in Italy, particularly this Italian psychologist whose name I'm going to butcher, it's Franco Basaglia, but he really championed deinstitutionalization, but with a response to create this like community healthcare. So like long story short, um, in the 70s, actually shortly after this film was made, um, all psychiatric hospitals in Italy were closed or ordered to be closed. I think the last one was closed in 1998. And then the response was this like community based mental health treatment. So... That's like your halfway house, your outpatient therapist, like what I do. So it was interesting to see like this film was happening and had these mental health themes right on the cusp of this huge psychiatric movement in Italy. Do you think that's been a positive? Is there are there numbers related to that? Of um, has it been like a positive uh, movement within Italy? Well, I mean, like the United States kind of mirrors in that, whereas like we closed all these psychiatric hospitals, but we didn't quite have the same community-based response. Um, I mean, we're still piecing together what we did in the 70s and 80s. Uh, Actually, I think it occurred earlier in the U.S. It was more like the 60s. Um, That's where you get your cultural references, like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Like, apparently, I was reading that um, a study of Italians, like 15 to 65 or something, found that, like, 62% of them experienced depression either directly or indirectly. So like either they had experienced it themselves or a relative or friend had. Um, And 38% said they'd never experienced it, not even known anyone who experienced it. Hmm. We have one generation that's kind of in touch with it. And I think that's kind of a mirror to the U.S. where like younger generations like ours, like we're really in touch with our mental health. We talk about it. We joke about like... You know, we drop our nachos on the floor and we're like, I'm going to fucking kill myself. Like, we're, <laughs> we're pretty in touch. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> they said that for those who did talk about experiencing depression, they're more likely to conceptualize mental health as just kind of a commonplace illness. Whereas those who are like, I've never heard of depression before, are more likely to view it as like a personal weakness. Which I found like between her sister and her um, boyfriend, husband, partner, whatever... Those I have something to, be, to say about that. <laughs> yeah, those seems to be, like, the two, like, competing schools of thought represented in the film. Whereas, yeah. like, just take your pills and shut up about it versus go talk about it. And then the psychiatrist is like, whatever, it's just trauma. It's just life-changing events. Like, just get over it. It'll pass. Oh, my God. There's so many different just 
views in this film and it's Honestly. the entire plot revolves around her tr- her trauma mm-hmm. the lasting effects of it and just the different approaches that sure. she tries to explore or that other people try to get her to explore mm-hmm. i definitely saw the the feminist mm-hmm. viewpoint mm-hmm. in that where of course it's in the 70s so it's on the onset of the feminist movement right. and she is just a bored housewife right. she de- has no job she doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have any friends she just is like being pretty all day is her occupation oh, tough. <laughs> yeah i know right tough. <laughs> but like on the other hand like her trauma is intense you know her mother was murdered yeah she lost her baby was in a car accident in the field, we kind of, like, colloquially refer to, like, big T's and little T's. Mm-hmm. So your little T's are, like, small traumatic events. Like, getting into a car accident has a similar effect on, like, your brain. And, like, when we look at MRIs and stuff like that, like, images of the brain, it has a similar effect. But it's not, like, the big T's, like, you know, sexual abuse, physical abuse, death, loss, war, famine, etc., so she's got, like, a pretty complex... If she were my patient, her trauma score would be insane. Yeah, she has a lot. And we mentioned that earlier, how the car accident was caused by her boyfriend slash husband, fiancé. And she, yeah, she just refers to him as different names throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And then there's the miscarriage plot. Oh, yeah. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that the baby was conceived out of wedlock? Like, that was something Sergio or the writers were trying to say. I don't know. Honestly, that, like... hmm. Like, she felt that guilt. She kept going flip-flopping between calling him her husband. Right. Which, they weren't married. Right. So, but she would put on that that front to people saying, Mm -hmm. I guess, feeling guilty about the fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, they were out of wedlock and they had this baby and then ended up having a miscarriage. Right. Themes about gender permeate our culture today. But I, I don't know, like, to what extent it existed in the early 70s. Like, I, if someone told me it did, I'd believe them. But I yeah. just truthfully don't know. And particularly within Italian culture, I'm not sure. I mean, there's kind of this, like, heavy familial emphasis where, like, if you have a baby out of wedlock, it's like, well, we're going to look at you some type of way, but you're still going to live in my house. Yeah. You know? Well, and then her third option for healing herself, you know, she has the medication, the therapy, and then she goes to the coven. Mm-hmm. Um, and she goes to type of, like, taboo forms. Like, right. lesbianism and sex and drugs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. blood rituals. And she kind of goes from that very family-centered right. aspect to just off the rails, mm-hmm. just super taboo. I couldn't tell if they were making a statement about, like, this is what happens when you deviate from what you're, quote-unquote, supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Or if they were saying, like, women feel so chained by their expectations that, like, it's almost reasonable yeah. to turn it's like to this alternative. like a form of escapism. Right. It's just... I just couldn't tell, like, what move they were making with that. I think there's evidence for either. Can you talk a little bit about how this film revolves around Jane's growing paranoia and some of the symptoms of trauma that you have treated? So trauma is tricky AF. It's kind of become like new as it were thing in my field where it is like the focus. People are, uh, there's evidence to suggest that trauma leaves like a physical scar on the brain. Even those small T's that I was talking about. We have researched, like, the impact of, like, intergenerational trauma and bloodline trauma. So, like, even as far back as, like, slavery, like, those oppressions can have traumatic impacts on generations today that share that bloodline. 
So trauma's a crafty son of a bitch and it manifests in a lot of weird ways. So like, you know, you'll see victims of trauma or uh, survivors of trauma, like really identifying with their abuser. Sometimes you'll see them totally like wilding out. Like I don't identify with that at all. I'm going to become a new person. Well, I can see that with identifying with their abuser to uh, an extent with this Mm -hmm. film because Richard kills multiple people. Right. So like, is he a good guy? And then Jane knows. Yeah. But then Jane knows at the end and she Mm -hmm. sees him as saving her. She definitely knew what he was doing. And then she did see him as saving her. Right. And that's like something we see with trauma survivors. Their reactions are not consistent ever because like your brain is making sense of something that should not have happened. People conceptualize like fight or flight. Um, but there's also like freeze is a huge one. People will ask survivors of trauma, like, why didn't you do anything? And it's like, because the brain literally Shut took down. the, yeah, it took the reins and said, like, no, nah, we're not doing this wow. for your protection. But then, like, 20 years later, it's like, why am I having crippling headaches and stomach pain? And it's like, well, that's the trauma working itself out of your body. It's so bizarre. It's wow. almost supernatural. Yeah. Um, so, like, I love that interaction with uh, she and Richard because it's very, like, it definitely mirrors that, like, victim abuser, survivor abuser dynamic sometimes where you're, like... Well, especially with him being so absent in her life mm-hmm. and he the first scene that you see him in, it's she wakes up in the beginning and he immediately is trying to shove a drink down her throat. Like, yeah. it's not a typical response. Right. And you can just tell that he's done that before repeatedly because mm-hmm. she kind of, you know, the glass was right there right. and that was his job. Right. That part, I immediately was like, this is kind of exploitative. Like, you're making money off of... I mean, you can make the same argument for myself if I, like, (laughs) use a therapy practice with my best friend, but, like, those pills that you're giving her are a product that you sell for a living. That dynamic is weird. I don't completely trust his motives, but at the same time, like, I mean, I guess... He came through in the end. I just feel bad for her. I'm just... I need, like, a sequel. I need to know, like... How is she doing? <laughs> literally, uh, welcome to my career. I'm literally like, hope everything goes well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so overall, I like this movie. Yeah. I think it does have its issues. Where, mm-hmm. like we mentioned, it's very visual. It's light on plot, and the mm-hmm. plot is a little incohesive. Mm-hmm. But that's the point. I think right. it's supposed to be dreamlike and nightmarish sure. and bizarre. Man, she really is troubled, and mm-hmm. yeah. um, but I loved some of the cinematography. I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I loved the fractured, oh yeah, camera work, like the kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. We're looking at her brain play itself out. The dreamlike fugue, like the it was really immersive and involving. Even though the payoff at the end, I felt wasn't ultimately super satisfying. Like just the experience of having go gone through it was enough for me to say I really liked this film. So, like... Yeah, I mean, I definitely get that the kaleidoscope camera work was a metaphor. I mean, it's a metaphor for, you know, her emotions and her mental state. When there's just her in view, it's very light and dreamy and calm, where she's Mm -hmm. not thinking about those things, and life kind of seems bright and sunshiny, and then you get to these crazy just dream scenes and it's really intense. I wrote down um, (laughs) the subtitles they picked. At multiple points in the film, it just said, like, parenthesis, misty music. And I was like, wow, that's fitting. That is, like, exactly... The whole film has this, like, misty sheen over it. Yeah. It's like a sepia filter. The music was pretty cool. I didn't notice it that much, but I did notice that they had that childlike lullaby. Yeah. That lullaby. That has been in the past 
like four Jalo films. Oh yeah. That I Why is I, I, honestly horror as a genre? It's like we get it. You make a kid say anything in a sing song voice, it's gonna be scary. Yeah, it yeah. could be like I want chicken nuggets for dinner, yeah. and you're like, oh my god, oh my gosh, I'm scared. So mystic, <laughs> mystic music. Yeah, mystic music. I recommend paying the two dollars or watching it on Shutter for sure. Yeah, one glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Don't be sleepy like I was when you watch it. I feel like it needs, like, your full attention because then you're not going to know what order things happened in. So I do something on the podcast called Flavor of the Month. It's recommendations, music books, other movies that would go well with this film. Ah. Oh. I'm trying to think. Uh, This one might be a little, like, if you're not really interested in psychology, psychiatry, social work, it might be kind of like a snooze fest, but... There's this book by uh, Bessel van der Kolk called The Body Keeps the Score, and it's a pretty, like, light read. It's palatable for people who aren't, like, trying to read some peer-reviewed study, but it's all about how the body manifests trauma and how um, recent interventions, like traditional talk therapy, just doesn't cut it. Yoga, music, art, movies, like, all of those things. Like, all the senses. Yeah, for sure. Because trauma manifests more in your senses. Like, smell is inexplicably connected to memory more than any other sense. Anything we don't recognize with a trauma victim when they're walking out the door, they smell a smell, and it instantly takes them back to, like, the worst moment of their life. And, like, how paralyzing that would be for someone. Like, we ask them, like, why can't you just leave your house? So it's a really insightful view. Um, What's it called again? The Body Keeps the Score. The Body Keeps the Score. Mm-hmm. So I really like that one. Awesome. Um, I also read a book um, about Arthur Shawcross, which has nothing to do with this, but it was really good. I can't remember what it's called. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think of it, let me know, yeah. and I will send it out to, to the ether. It's just a totally exploitative, like, prostitute killing mm. a true crime novel. Were there any movies that you were thinking? Obviously, um, Rosemary's Baby, but I always recommend Rosemary's how, Baby. Yeah, how much more can I recommend that movie? It's such a fucking masterpiece. Some of the themes in this movie, for some reason, I think it's just tortured woman, for some reason reminded me of, like, Antichrist. Kind of like, how much shit can we put Charlotte Gainsborough? Yeah. How much shit can we put that's, Jane through? That's a rough watch. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. Serious trigger warning yeah. for Antichrist. I mean, the title's Antichrist, so use your yeah. judgment. I mean, I was thinking about Jacob's Ladder, but that's kind of like a... It's equally psychedelic. That one tackles more of, like, the traditional conceptualizations of PTSD, like, via war trauma, so... Yeah, Yeah. and it's from a male perspective, so it can give you both sides. I was thinking George A. Romero's Season of the Witch. Yeah, buddy. Board Housewife. Mm -hmm. Check. A little bit of the occult. Check. So check, that's, check. that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a film from 1972, so the same year this one came out, called Images mm-hmm. by Robert Altman. It's a woman suffering from hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Honestly, any of Sergio Martino's films, Torso, I can't remember if it's Screamer or Screamers, but just do it. Dario yeah. Argento gets, like, he's like the face of Jello, I feel like, so yeah. dive into some other directors. Well, Baba is like, the godfather and That's then true. argento is like the face mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. for sure um another giallo a lizard in a woman's skin from 1971 that's fulci that's another one that's about you know a tormented woman that title is um, a little more derivative than this one i think like a lizard, a lizard in a woman's, woman's skin. skin like golly wonder what this one will be about <laughs> 
It's really good. It is. <laughs> I would definitely recommend that one. And then this is not the theme of psychology or trauma or PTSD, but there's a movie from 2016 called The Love Witch. Hmm. And it is set in the 70s, and the lead actress looks very similar to the lead actress in this film. So if you love that, like, pale, gorgeous brunette look mm-hmm. from the 70s, watch... Twiggy-eyed. Yeah, watch <laughs> The Love Witch from 2016, because um, that movie has a lot of great costumes and great makeup, mm-hmm. and it's another one where it's just not a lot going on as far as plot, but it is a feast for your eyes. Stylish. Yeah, Definitely was the word I found myself using the most when I was trying to talk about this film to other people. They were like, what's it about? I'm like, I mean, it looks really cool. Yeah. It looks great. I mean, great. the tagline <laughs> kind of sums it up. Like, a woman suffering from trauma. Falls exudes, the fuck apart. <laughs> yeah, she just is just falling apart and trying everything she can, and then she falls into this coven and shit goes down. Mm-hmm. Definitely cool. uh, watch the West Memphis 3 documentary if you are really dying for some, like... It's a three-parter, right? Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Parts 2 and 3, I'm kind of like me. Yeah. But, yeah, if you want more of that satanic panic... Yeah, I mean, that, and that's based on reality. So, on a lighter note, is there anything that you would want to plug? Um, so, I am entirely uninteresting. I don't have anything to plug, except that if you need help, go get it. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not crazy. Get the help you deserve. It's out there. Call me if you need anything. <laughs> My Instagram is herbivore.lhf. It's a lot of pictures of my dog. Speaking of, if you need help, like, that's some yeah. light viewing. Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> I know, right? Just look at picture of dogs. Yeah, if you're not ready yeah. to, like, take that really brave step it takes to get help for a mental health condition, just look at my fucking Yeah, or go to, like, a cat dog. cafe. Oh, for or, sure. Um, yeah. an adoption center or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dogs instantly make my, uh... My day brighter, and I will tag you in all of the posts so they can very easily find you. So for me, you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Jollo Club. You can follow myself, Diana, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Diana NK. Our logo design is by Vegan Patches on Instagram. You can find Matt's Etsy shop at Retirement Funds. Our theme music is by Dream Division. You can find Dream Division's music on Instagram at Dream Division Music and on Bandcamp at dreamdivision.bandcamp.com. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. I found what you had to say really insightful, and I think that it'll be a really great episode, and I hope the listeners have some feedback for us. For sure. I hope you come back soon. Thank you so much. I love blabbing about my career, because that's what I got a master's for, so. Awesome. (laughs) And you've been listening to Jalo the Month Club. Bye.